As I greet you, um, I'm Joel. Welcome to Heart City Church. Today we're going to be looking at one of the most incredible texts in all of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah is going to give us a vision of a whole new world, a world of perfect peace, which we just sang about. Something unimaginable in Isaiah's day, as it is to most in our own day as well, unless you get what Christmas is all about. If you know who came into our world and the future that his coming guarantees, you can not only imagine peace, but the good news is you can even begin to experience it right now. And you might even be able to share this person, this peace, with the last person on earth you'd expect to have peace with. Don't believe me? Let me give us a true scene to help us lean into this text of peace with people you wouldn't think you can have peace with. Let's jump into a time machine and go back to 1914 Europe. World War I is underway. And World War I was different than any war previous to this because science had given us weapons that could kill like never before. Machine guns, flamethrowers, mortars. This ended the days of the open battlefields. Remember the armies would be across from one another? That was done. World War I became quickly the deadliest conflict in all of human history. So imagine you have been living in a dirt trench and just yards from you, unseeable, in their own dirt trench is men who want to kill you. And all day long, you're sitting here firing shots at one another for months and months. These lurking enemies right over there, who you know nothing about and they know nothing about you, but you want to kill each other. That's all you know. There you are, day after day. Imagine yourself in that trench, taking shots at one another. Imagine the constant explosions the shooting, the screams. And then one cold night you hear this. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. That is what some British soldiers heard on December 24th, 1914. It was Christmas Eve, and the Germans in the trenches over there began singing about Christ's birth in their own language. And hearing this, the British soldiers joined in, singing in English. Two groups who were just shooting at one another are suddenly now singing together the glory of Christ's coming in their own languages. And as if moved by some invisible divine hand, some of the soldiers actually laid down their weapons and stepped out onto no man's land. And right there on the battlefield, former enemies began to exchange gifts, chocolates, cigarettes. They began to tell each other their stories, and they even played a game of soccer. How did this happen? They remember what Christmas was about, God declaring peace to men. Now the next day, they went back to shooting at each other. Because that's what human history is all about. But just for that one moment, by remembering the meaning of Christmas, they were afforded a moment, a priceless moment of that peace on earth that Christ came to bring. 
May God bless us similarly this morning. So let us ask him to to help us discover that peace by praying before we read our text. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that you, the great God of hope, will fill us with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit we might abound in hope and that we might even taste that wonderful peace which is ours already in Christ and is coming in greater measure as we'll see in Isaiah. Open our eyes to see this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now hear the word of our God from Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glory. The grass withers, the flower fades, but thanks be to God, the word of our Lord endures forever. So what did you think about that incredible scene with the animals? Little lamb goes, bah! And a nearby wolf hears this, runs over and says, Oh, you're so cute. May I cuddle up next to you? Lions, leopards, bears are suddenly friends with lambs, goats, and cats. Can you imagine a world where this sort of peace reigns? Isaiah 11 is far better than what Disney can come up with. Actually, I remember that song in the movie Aladdin, A Whole New World, A New Fantastic Point of View, No One to Tell Us No or Where to Go, or Say We're Dreaming, A Whole New World. The theme of that movie, and of many Disney movies, is to believe in a better world and to find it by trusting your feelings. To believe in a better world and to find it by trusting your feelings. And our current president agreed last week when he proclaimed redefining marriage as progress. I quote him, Today is a good day, a day America takes a vital step towards equality, towards liberty and justice, not just for some, but for everyone, everyone, toward creating a nation where decency, dignity, and love are recognized, honored, and protected. Marriage, and I mean this with all my heart, 
Marriage is a simple proposition. Who do you love? And will you be loyal with that person you love? It's not more complicated than that. He dreams of finding a better world by trusting our feelings. Now I'm equal opportunity, just by the way, our former president, nostalgic feelings, right? So make America great again, okay? Uh-oh, Pastor Joel. <laughs> You're supposed to be preaching a Christmas sermon. You're not supposed to talk about politics during the holidays. That's actually a rule on both sides of my family. Friends, this will be a political sermon. It has to be. Isaiah 11 is revealing a remarkable new ruler and the new world that he is going to usher in. Christmas is about the beginning of the absolute monarchy of our Lord Jesus Christ over this world. And his rule and reign will bring us perfect peace and satisfaction that no other ruler can. And if you're exploring Christianity, maybe you're joining us online, Christ's coming results in a whole new world far better than anything you could ever ask for or imagine, like that scene we see in Isaiah 11. The rulers of this age continue to give us utopias, promise us utopias. They dream them up, and guess what? They always become our nightmares. Always. Point in case, the period prior to World War I. Do you know that most folks, including Christians, believed leaders that were saying science was going to usher in a better world for all people? Let's look at the last century. Two world wars, the purges of Stalin and Chairman Mao, Korea, Vietnam, so many other wars. The dream of a whole new world turned into the bloodiest century in human history. And do leaders think they're any wiser 100 years later? Do you think we're any wiser than we were 100 years ago? I hope not. That's really prideful. To quote Aerosmith, dream on. Dream on. And to quote Annie Lennox, what happens when you travel the world in the seven seas? Looking for sweet dreams? Here's what you find. Some of them want to use you. Some of them want to be used by you. Some of them want to abuse you. Some of them want to be abused. The thoughtful songwriters of our day, I'll quote them, because they actually expose this problem the Bible's been teaching us about. Do you want something better than to be abused or to abuse others, to be used or to use others? Do you want something better in our world? Do you long for peace? Like perfect peace? That's why the God who made this world gave us a better message. It's found right here in our Bibles. In the opening pages, actually, he tells us, he explains the problem and why we have no lasting peace. And here in Isaiah 11, he shows us how he's going to fix it. Now, in Isaiah's day, and I have to give us a little background, the Assyrian rulers, they were the users and abusers in the world. They were the bullies. But in chapter 10, Isaiah sees all these bullies put on display like a bunch of trees, a forest of trees. And then God Almighty takes out his great axe, and he begins lopping them down. It does reveal that God puts a stop to arrogant, self-assertive leaders. People who's, we got 22 civilizations that have all risen and God's chopped them off. 
So that's the scene when you come to Isaiah 11. I mean, imagine a Christmas tree farm that advertises all our trees are on sale for a nickel. It'd only be a day before you would find all that's left is stumps, right? <laughs> that's the scene here when you come to Isaiah 11. Far as the eye can see, stumps, no birds, no life, no squirrels, just stumps. And there's Isaiah looking at this barren landscape, jagged stumps, not very promising, right? Looks like all hell was unleashed, and then turn the page to chapter 11, verse 1, and Isaiah sees life. There shall come forth from this shoot of the stump of Jesse a branch, and from his roots shall bear fruit. In this desolation, this landscape, Isaiah sees a shoot springing forth from this one little stump, and it's, it's the stump of Jesse. Who's Jesse? It's not you, Jesse. No, this is this is. King David's father, Jesse, this failed dynasty that had done had a little little time when it was good and then it failed. And a stump suddenly of Jesse has a little branch emerged. A branch? That's not very impressive either, is it? Friends, this is how God chose to reveal his glory. Not with some massive tree overshadowing us. No. God's plan to bring a whole new world, perfect peace. It starts with a baby in a manger. 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, not very impressive. Practically nobody noticed. I mean, his entrance in the world, a, a smelly barn, a stable with poor parents, his first fans, who are they? Some barn animals <laughs> and a couple of lowly shepherds. And yet his rule would usher in a whole new world. Now, maybe you're wondering if you want this little branch to rule over the whole world, maybe to rule over you. Maybe you're wondering. I'm glad you're wondering. Because what we hear about next is what makes him fit for office. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So what, does, what makes Jesus fit for the office of ultimate king? How can he bring about true peace? because he has received the greatest anointing of the Holy Spirit in all of human history. And he fears the Lord. Let me ask you, have you ever heard a politician say, vote for me because I fear God and I have more Holy Spirit than my opponent? I haven't. Friends, the Holy Spirit is why you should want Jesus to reign over you and our world. Perhaps you're thinking, uh, huh, actually the landscape of my life is like a bunch of jagged stumps. Maybe your past is in pieces. Your present seems pointless. Your prospects seem pitiful. The future you face is fruitless. Maybe that's you right now. Yours is a history of hardship at best. Maybe your life's a catastrophe. I have good news. Today is the day to take in what J.R.R. Tolkien calls the catastrophe. It's the opposite of catastrophe, where the moment where everything begins to reverse, and it can be true for you too. It began when Jesus was born in order to take the throne over our planet, and it continues every time you continue to trust him to rule your heart. It continues. That's what a catastrophe. It begins to reverse everything in your life. And he is the ruler, I want to tell you, 
that you've been waiting for, that you can fully trust in him. He is fully equipped to rescue you and give you peace. Do you feel like nobody understands you? Ever felt like that? (laughs) You're right. Nobody can understand you. You're far too complicated for anyone to get you. But Jesus understands you far better than you actually understand yourself. And he left heaven so you can give up on trusting you for your best life and you can put your trust in him for a far better life than you could ever ask for or imagine. God has hidden wisdom from humankind in this world. Do you know where God has hidden wisdom? Do you know where he's hidden it? (laughs) In Christ, in whom all the treasures of wisdom are there for us to find. Do you need counseling? (laughs) Jesus is the best counselor ever. And he's mighty. What he promises to do in and for you, he will get done if you trust him. And he's knowledgeable. Anybody like to have a knowledgeable ruler when you hear some of this stuff? And he fears the Lord. And this is developed. This is important. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. This may be a surprise to us. Most of us, we hear about fear and we think that's a negative thing, right? But the greatest person to ever walk the planet was the most fearful one. Jesus was the most fearful person to ever walk this planet. Jesus rejoiced in trembling. Do you? Do you delight in fearing the Lord? Pastor Joel, no, no, I got enough fears and worries. I, do I need more fear, really? Yes. Not the wrong fear where you think you have to obey your way into pleasing God. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Rather, the healthy fear of God that none of us has like we should. If we did fear Almighty God like we should, it would put all those other little itty-bitty fears into proper perspective. If we feared God, we wouldn't sin and wreck our lives and others like we often do. If our leaders feared God, they wouldn't pretend like they know better than God how we are to live in their world and then send us on the path to ruin to the applause of many people. Jesus delighted in trembling at the thought of displeasing God. Think about that. The exact opposite of those controlled by people's opinions, people's approval. That's how leaders get in, right? We've seen his qualifications. He is fit and qualified to lead us. Now consider his promises. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. These promises are unlike anything I've ever heard any politician promise, foreign or domestic. I love this. The poor and the meek are promised what they never find on this earth. Has anyone ever solved poverty? No. (laughs) Jesus is not influenced by video clips or storylines. Jesus is influenced by what? Righteousness and equity. That is what influences him as he makes his decisions. It's actually good to be poor. It's actually good to be meek because of who Jesus is. That's what you want to be. Why? Because the poor in the spirit, what do they get? The kingdom of heaven. What do the meek get? They inherit the earth. And these are great promises. 
when you choose to be meek and poor in this world. And we need them. We probably don't get it as much, but do you know that one in seven Christians in this world, they suffer significant persecution? One in seven. There are 50 to 70,000 Christians today imprisoned in North Korea, either in prison or labor camps. 50 to 70,000. On Christmas Day three years ago, I remember militant Muslims in Nigeria released a video. They said, this message is to Christians in the world. And one by one, they executed five men for the world to see, for the Christians to see. Praise be to Jesus for what he promises here, what he'll do to the wicked. These martyred saints, along with others, will witness justice when Jesus comes. And righteousness shall be the belt of his weight and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And he comes dressed for the occasion. He comes clothed in righteousness and faithfulness. You've never seen a leader dressed like Jesus. This outfit is only found in Jesus' wardrobe. Jesus is dressed to the nines and doing what is right and being trustworthy. You can believe in him. So let's invite this ruler to reign in our lives. No other Savior can bring us such satisfaction, nor can any other potentate produce the peace that we pine for. I love this passage, verses 6 through 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amazing passage. Meditate on this this week. Read this again and again. It's amazing. I've been to the zoo. Actually, I've been there with some of you, haven't I? Have you ever seen peace in the zoo like this? Actually, they don't put those animals together, do they? (laughs) I've seen some poisonous snakes at the zoo, and they're never part of the petting zoo, are they? (laughs) There's actually a painter named Edward Hicks who did 60 paintings entitled The Peaceable Kingdom. Anybody ever seen those paintings? Oh, they're great. Look them up. He draws these scenes with all these animals. They're together. The animals would normally kill each other, but they're all at peace. Why? Because of this small figure in each one painted in white. He's all in white, a little child. This is how it begins. The branch of Jesse, a child born in backwater Bethlehem. Notice this is also not a heavenly scene. This is an earthy scene. We're not whisked away from evil earth to go strum harps up in heaven. That sounds really boring to me. (laughs) No. This song gets it right when we sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. This whole earth, full of all the curses we see, he's come to make his blessings flow. This is the perfect peace, a whole new world happening right here. And it's described like a holy mountain, like Zion. Why? Because worship and enjoyment of God will occur. All of creation, presently subjected to futility, is going to stop groaning and they're going to start glorifying and enjoying their God. 
and being at peace with one another. That's why we see a complete change in the nature of these animals. They've been regenerated. <laughs> they actually are made new. No longer able to hurt or destroy each other. No more hostility between men and animals. Perfect peace. Do you know what this means? On that day, Pastor Joel will have no more material to tease you cat lovers. <laughs> in fact, I will love your cats because I might even have one. I won't be allergic anymore. I know it's even hard for me to comprehend. But that's how great this peace is going to be. How can it be? Why is that? Listen, if you haven't been paying attention, listen. Why will this be? Because the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. The reason we lack peace today is because we don't have knowledge of God. Do you see? I was thinking about this last week when Samaritan Ministries right next door to the counseling place, they told me they have a four to six month waiting list. And I have someone who needs counseling right now. Our families and our neighbors, they're stressed, they're depressed, they're neurotic, the suicide rates are climbing. There's so little peace between people, so little peace inside people. Why is that? There's a lack of knowledge of God in our nation, in our neighborhoods. Romans 1 says men do all they can to suppress the truth of the knowledge of God. Knowledge which is perfectly plain for all to see in creation and also in our consciences. See, knowledge of God is kind of like a beach ball. You ever taken one of those to the beach? You ever tried to hold one underwater, right? It's exhausting, you know, you can only do it so long and eventually it pops up. And That's what people are doing. That's why they're so depressed and stressed. They're trying to hold it down. And Romans says they're without excuse. Romans 1. Read it today. Read it this week. Starting in verse 18. It says God gives people up. When they continue to suppress the truth, God gives them up. God first gives them up to the sinful desires of their hearts for sexual impurity. But they continue to suppress the truth. So God gives them up next to unnatural sexual relations. But they continue. So God gives them up a third time for all kinds of wickedness. Actually, I'll read it. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, to know him, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Does it sound like our cultural trend where we're heading? Does it concern you that three times it says God gives them up? God gives them up. God gives them up. Hold those thoughts. Verse 10 provides us both encouragement and health. help. In that day, 
the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glory. Not sure why the ESV translates that glorious. It shall be glory. Our first encouragement that I want us to walk out with today is that Jesus is both the origin and the offspring of Jesse. Did you notice Isaiah did a little switcheroo here? He first saw a shoot coming out of the stump, and now he sees a root from which the stump is coming from. You see, the Messiah is both the offspring and the origin of Jesse. And Jesus actually claims this title in his final words in Revelations chapter 22, verse 16. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I am both human like you, and I'm also divine, fully God. Jesus is not just some good teacher or guru who can show us the way to our own private little personal peace. No, that's every other religion. Jesus is the way. He has brought us eternal peace. All you have to do is simply receive it and believe it. How has he done that? Well, we cannot find that peace because why? We have suppressed the truth, all of us, and we're under God's wrath. That's our problem. That's the greatest gravity, the, re- the reality of where we are. We cannot find it. We can't get right, be good enough with God because we're all infected with sin. Even the best things we do, God's never going to look at those and say, oh, wow, i am let you in. No. But Jesus is God become man, born of a virgin, untainted by sin, and by dying for our sins. He made peace with man and God. Vertical. But there's more. New creation, glory. Jesus also took on a human body and he said, let me show you what I can do with you, with a human body. And he defeated death and was raised from the dead on the third day, the start of a brand new creation. And all you have to do is say, forgive me and bow the knee to the one worthy of your devotion. All you have to do is say, forgive me. It's so easy. And then you have peace with God. But then you can also begin to have peace with others. You see, the cross has both a vertical dimension and a horizontal one. And it stands as a salvation sign in our troubling times. That's our second application. I want us to think about the cross is a certain signal of our salvation, a certain signal of our salvation. Our culture is hard at work suppressing the knowledge of God and encouraging us to do the same. That's what our president said when he ignored what God says about marriage very clearly. He claims to be a Christian, but he rejects what the church has held to fastly and firmly to for 2,000 years. Do you see how prideful that is? He says he knows better than the Bible and what all the fathers in the faith have taught and lived and breathed. They've studied these scriptures. And then he ended his speech with the benediction, God bless you all. God won't bless us. How do I know? Because the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms. And don't believe me for it. Read your own Bible. Read it every week. Study it for yourself. And if you do, don't be surprised if we become under assault for what we believe in our day. If we decide to fear God and not man. We see it persecution happening throughout the world. So what are we to do? when it starts to come. 
look to that certain sign of our salvation. We all know the song, The Star-Spangled Banner. We're from America. Oh, say can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. Do you remember the story behind the song? Francis Scott Key is on a British ship being held, and he is watching the warships launch an attack on Fort McHenry on the Americans. And that night, while in the darkest darkness, that constant assault on Fort McHenry, actually it confirmed something. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Isn't that not encouraging? We see all this hostility growing towards Christianity. They're launching attacks. You may feel the bombs are bursting in our country. But friends, the signal, the banner is still there. The cross of Jesus Christ still stands tall. Jesus has established his kingdom. 22 civilizations are gone and it continues. And all you have to do is remain faithful until the dawn. That's all you have to do. Will you? Will you? And the third point is the inevitable advance of this peaceable kingdom. Because we can get really discouraged as we look at our own recent history, we look at Western culture and the slide, all the bloodshed, the slide towards secularism, the rampant immorality. Do you know what else has been happening in this in the last century? Do you know what else has been happening? The nations have been inquiring of Jesus, finding his rest, discovering his glory. Do you know that on the continents of Asia, Africa, and Latin America, droves of people are pledging themselves to Jesus Christ and coming to him and the peaceful kingdom. They're pledging themselves to that. There's not a century in all the history of mankind that can hold a candle to the 20th century in terms of the numbers of new believers. Revival is sweeping through the global south, and it continues. In Iran, the mosques are emptying right now. As people are coming to Jesus Christ, the church is exploding. Confex in Malawi, he's seeing lots of folks coming to Jesus Christ, discovering rest for their souls. Pastors in my presbytery are being asked to teach classes to Latin American students who are hungry for the gospel and want to share it with their neighbors. Friends, don't get depressed. The knowledge of God is filling the earth right now. So let's keep praying for Confex, for Daniel in Chile. Let's pray for Andrew in Mexico. Let's support them as we're able. And, and, let's not give up on our nation, even as it seems that God is giving us up, giving us over to our wickedness. Let's be praying that God will rend the heavens and make his presence felt. I believe revival can happen. Ted Powers was here just Thursday, and he was actually comparing our day to the 60s. The 60s, sexual revolution was happening. Lots of civil unrest. Oh, a nuclear war was on everybody's mind. A lot like today. And in the 70s, what happened? The Jesus movement. And long-haired hippies and druggy disco people, <laughs> they turned to Jesus Christ in droves. Wouldn't that be glorious to see in our day? So let's position ourselves to be sharing the true meaning of Christmas. You see, you've opened, if you're a Christian, you've opened the most incredible gift ever. And the wonderful thing about it is you can give it away and not lose it. It's no white elephant, okay? The gift of Christmas is for everyone. We have this message of peace for our neighbors. 
loved ones who have no peace. How do we position ourselves? Well, first, we have to know our Bibles. It can't just be me. We have to know our Bibles. We have to know them. I mean, how are you going to answer someone who says, why can't marriage simply be love and loyalty? What's wrong with what they're doing? What's wrong with that? My first thought is I'm tempted to open say, well, you're opening a Pandora's box. Let's walk through the logic of this. No, that won't work. People aren't going to buy into that. See, it's not about being right. It's about letting people hurt people know they're fully known and fully loved. And we do that here. We find it here. Our Bible's good news. You find out about the heart of Christ, and it's a beautiful heart. A heart that's loved people better than anyone ever. So let's start finding the answers ourselves that our neighbors need. And let's start going on the offense in 2023. Reading our Bibles together. We were talking about this Thursday. In small groups, getting together, reading our Bibles. So we'll actually be able to talk with our neighbors, our loved ones, our family members. We'll find ourselves in position to share the story of peace that came on Christmas Day. And love, you'll find yourself able to tear a dear soul. Someone you love, someone you care about who's hurting. The good news that they can have peace because of what Christ has done. And I know it's going to happen probably the first time you do it. They'll take it in, look you in the eyes, and almost certainly say this. That's cool. I'm glad you found that, but it's not for me. You know, I don't feel my need for that. Thank you very much. But here's the thing. They need multiple exposures to the gospel. I've met with patients in the hospital who are not interested in doctors. They say, that guy can't help me. I'm not interested. They say they feel fine. They say, I have no need, even though it's very clear they're not. They're not in a hospital. And you tell them about this doctor who can help. And then one day, they're in enough pain, and they've had enough exposures to hearing about this good doctor who can help. They receive and they believe. And guess what? It's so wonderful when you see a patient recovering and doing better. Jesus is the ultimate healer. Rex read about it from Isaiah 57. But sometimes it takes many gentle nudges to convince a person, to remind a person they're loved. And I know some folks are in such darkness, they're going to say this, God has given me up. God has given me over. No way. You know what your answer is to that? God has given himself up for you. God has given himself up for you. And you hold up that cross in front of them as a certain saving signal. You know, Jesus is coming again soon. Let's keep that in mind. That's what Advent's all about. Our king is coming soon. You know, he's up there. He's poised. He's ready. He's simply waiting for his father to say, it's time. And then it's going to be peace and glory for all of eternity. So let's pray that God will help us to take this in, especially as the day draws near. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news that our King is soon to arrive and he has already accomplished all we need to be right with you, but also to bring peace to our neighbors. Lord, our hearts are heavy with those, Lord, who are pursuing that which can bring them no lasting peace. And we see, Lord, just the the challenges, Lord, that we face the neighbors around us and bringing the good news to them. We ask and pray that first you will compel us to love your word. We pray that you'll give us your spirit a new measure that we might in some measure look more like your son who came to earth and was given your spirit. And Father, we ask and pray that you'll open our eyes to see where you're at work 
and help us to come alongside you in that by sharing the good news of what came on that wonderful first Christmas day, our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you have mercy on us? Be with us this week as we leave here. We pray in his name. Amen.